This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Colin Woodall, CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. America's sugar farmers, practicing sustainability to protect the environment and support jobs, communities, and consumers. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with NCBA's Colin Woodall next. America's sugar farmers have spent decades investing in sustainability, being good stewards of the environment and protecting our air, land, and water as a personal mission for sugar growers. Many of America's sugar growers are multi-generational farmers, and sustainability means a great deal more than just preserving this legacy. It also means supporting sugar workers, healthy communities, and the consumers who rely on this essential ingredient. The sugar industry's commitment to sustainability is a commitment to a brighter future for us all. And it's made possible by America's no-cost sugar policy. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Like every other commodity in the nation, the beef industry has been significantly challenged by the COVID-19 pandemic. Colin Woodall, CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, says, in reality, it's been a tale of opposites for U.S. beef. On the one side, demand has been absolutely incredible. Seeing more families sit down for more meals than they have in years has really helped us ensure that everything that is put out in the beef case is being sold. We started that back in March when the pandemic first hit where we saw the photographs of grocery store meat cases across the country that were just absolutely cleaned out of beef. Now, what was really exciting about those photographs is, in many cases, right next to that empty beef case would be a case fully stocked of Beyond Beef. So we got a, we got a pretty good smile out of that because we've spent several years working on the fake meat issue with concerns about what kind of competition they were bringing to the marketplace. But in a time when the consumer was really looking for a little comfort, when they were looking for a little certainty, uh, they turned to beef rather than the fake product. And that was a pretty good boost to uh, to us as an industry moving forward. And we have continued to see that. And that's what's exciting is that was not just a one-and-done in March and April. That has continued throughout the year as a result of these changing eating patterns because restaurants just aren't open. And I think that's also another thing that we have to keep in mind. Uh, before the pandemic, about 50% of the beef that was sold was done so through food service and with food service. Uh, curtailed in a lot of cases, still not back at 100%. We've still been able to have this great demand. So overall, from a demand picture, uh, it's been a great year for us. From a price picture, however, it has been a uh, very big challenge for us on the production side. And a lot of that goes back to the packing plants that either shut down or had to scale back production in late April, May, and June. Uh, I think we have finally just here in the past couple of weeks, worked through the backlog of fed cattle that started to build up, and we just couldn't get them into those packing plants because the packing plants weren't uh, weren't operating. And whenever you have a buildup of supply and only a certain amount of space to be able to get them processed, you're going to see the prices go down, and that's exactly what we saw. 
fortunately for the CFAP program, uh, that was able to come in at the right time and, and help a lot of producers bridge that gap. And now we are starting to see a little recovery in the cattle markets. Things are looking pretty good. And as we look into 2021, we have some high expectations of where we can go. But it is still a challenge. And for us, uh, we are really trying to see what more we can do with cash markets. We need more cash trade in order to have true price discovery, and that's been a challenge for the industry as a whole, and that's something that NCBA has put a working group together to look at. And we've got a plan based upon some triggers to look at how we can incentivize more cash trade without the government coming in and telling us that we have to do that. We're trying to do this on our own, and we're going to start uh, measuring that here at the 1st of 2021 and see if we can make some uh, some changes and some headway in that overall price discovery discussion, Jeff. But still in the economics of scale, it's uh, it, it, you can understand why packing plants need a certain supply of animals that are coming on a regular basis and a lot more predictable on contract than coming through uh, a, a livestock auction house. Plenty of talk about this in price discovery. Even legislation been proposed. It's one thing to write policy. It's another thing to change the flow of a stream. And that's a great question, and it's reflective upon the significant changes that this industry has made over the course of many years where we have worked with retailers, we have worked with packers, we've worked with feeders and worked with producers to increase the overall quality of our domestic herd through a lot of these alternative marking arrangements or branded programs that exist today. And those programs are successful because they can guarantee a certain number of a certain quality of animal to be able to get into the chain in order to meet the demands and the requirements of these programs. And as such, uh, we have seen just a, a tremendous increase in the percentage of uh, cattle that are grading a prime and choice. And most everybody can point back and look at those alternative marketing arrangements as the source of those changes. We do not want to go back in time, and that is not our intent as NCBA. And there were a lot of discussions throughout the summer about the 5014 proposal, which we felt was truly going back in time and taking away opportunities from producers. But there are still ways to have uh, the sale of cattle on the cash market where you can still have the opportunity for premiums through grid systems. So when we talk about going and looking at more cash trade in order to get that price discovery, it's not ditching a lot of these alternative marketing arrangements. It's just trying to incentivize uh, a few additional head every week that could come in, be purchased on that uh, cash market. Uh, they can still qualify, as I said, for a lot of those premiums but still help us overall with price discovery. So this is this is not one where we're going to uh go back in time. It's about looking at some uh some some new ways to uh, incentivize this cash trade, but at the same time make sure that we can continue to improve the overall quality of our cattle and ultimately the beef that's served to Americans. So thinking about this pandemic, we had already seen a number of consumers shopping online. Now we see even more. They're not in the store. They're not in front of the meat case. Do you see this as a challenge or an opportunity to influence buying decisions? Well, this is definitely an opportunity. And one of the things that we have seen through the direct-to-consumer approach 
that uh, COVID has led us to is just uh, how wildly successful those programs that already existed uh, continue to be and how we are seeing companies look at those models and say, hey, we need to get in that business. When you take, uh, for instance, things such as uh, Omaha Steaks, uh, their business has uh, just been through the roof because of the direct-to-consumer approach and the ease of going online, choosing what you want, and have it sitting on your doorstep either the next day or two days later. And so uh, we are we are hearing from our members uh, the desire and the effort to do more direct-to-consumer. And then there's also a lot more of the the local approach being able to sell locally, whether that's through farmer's markets or also online. And we as NCBA are looking at some legislation to try to help with that, things such as the DIRECT Act, which would allow small to medium-sized packing plants, state-inspected packing plants, to be able to uh, to sell online across state lines, for example, to help provide more opportunities. Because as we talked earlier, uh, this became very uh, clearly about the overall supply chain integrity, and one of those weak spots was when those packing plants started to shut down. So we knew that we needed to try to find a way to incentivize more uh, packing capacity, and a lot of that is going to be needed in small to medium-sized plants. But what we have found is there's a lot of challenges to be able to get those plants up and running. If they can have the same opportunity to sell direct to consumer, that could help them move forward. And also uh, with the Ramp-Up Act, for example, being able to provide some uh, federal grants to help them achieve uh, FSIS inspection, for example, to move from state inspection to FSIS inspection, I think also is going to be a good opportunity here. And also look to see if there is opportunity for uh, possibly some, some grants or low-interest loans that could be used to build new packing capacity. So uh, even though this has been a year of challenge when it comes to uh, the logistics of the beef supply chain. We've also seen some great opportunities, and this direct consumer approach is one that we're really excited about, and I think it's here to stay and will continue to grow. Beef producers seem to have a good working relationship with the Trump administration, and that would include loosening of some regulations and an emphasis on growing markets. So now, what do you hope for, and perhaps what do you fear from an incoming Biden administration. This is nothing new for any of us in agriculture, and it's definitely nothing new for us at NCBA. We have seen administrations come and go before, and we do what we have always done, and that is make it very clear that we are willing to work with whomever is in the White House and uh, whichever party controls the different houses of Congress. Uh, any anybody who says that they're going to work with one party over the other and and shun uh, the the opposite side is is going to be extremely disappointed in the results that they get and we're no different we are already looking at the members of the transition team that put in place by uh, the president elect and his team uh, those are individuals that we uh, we know from the obama administration and folks that we know that are going to do a great job so for us it's, uh, again, about opportunities. Uh, we're, we're going to be able to have conversations with them. We're going to have conversations with them, and we're going to make sure that they understand the challenges of cattle production right now and for cattle producers. Uh, that is uh, all we can ask is that they have a willingness to visit with us, uh, much like uh, previous administrations have. So I, I'm not going to say that we're going to come in with any fears. Uh, it is merely we're going to start on uh, on day one uh, talking about our issues and figuring out what challenges that we have and figuring out ways to address those challenges. 
I would believe that agriculture would be of an opinion you'd rather have less regulation than more. And one of the topics might be the waters of the U.S. that the Obama administration put in place on top of the Clean Water Act, the Trump administration attempting to repeal with its own plan that may still be up for grabs with regard to the Biden administration. Concerns? You know, when it comes to regulation, uh, regulations are things that we have to abide by. And there's a lot of them out there that we have to abide by. We just want to make sure that they are based on uh, science and they, they make sense. So you know, we're not one that says we have to get rid of every regulation. That's never been NCBA's position, and it won't be NCBA's position. But we want to make sure that regulations are done uh, based upon you know what, what we're seeing on the ground is, is agriculture and making sure that those factors are then incorporated into whatever rule or regulation comes out. You had mentioned Waters of the United States. That definitely has been a longstanding issue for us in the cattle business, for all of us in agriculture. And everybody's going to be watching very closely to see what uh, the the Biden administration's EPA is going to do on waters of the United States. You know, it's important to remember that this was a repeal and replacement of the 2015 rule that we saw in the Obama administration. So this wasn't just repeal and pitch it all out. And I think that shows very clearly that we want to be players in the discussion of clean water. Uh, any activist out there has to understand that without clean water, without good water sources, we don't have an industry, period, end of story. And so we want to do our part there. We just want to make sure that there's a little common sense in the way that we do that. And I think the replacement rule did a good job of setting that up, so we'll just see how quickly uh, that is attacked, if it's attacked. And if it is, uh, we're going to go to uh, to EPA, much like we have in the previous administrations, and talk to them about our concerns, uh, why we have the position we do, and also continue to show that uh, we we are part of the solution, not part of the problem when it comes to all of these issues of environmental impact and sustainability. Clearly, the leadership of an administration has influence within the various regulatory agencies. And dietary guidelines have been one that have been in the news from time to time over years through various administrations. Some would propose that the guidelines should change and that red meat should be not be included in that list or at least should be reduced. The dietary guidelines process is always one, regardless of administration, that brings a lot of challenges to our industry because it's always an attack on red meat. It's always an attack on whether or not we should remain in the center of the plate. But the science is there. And I think it goes back to my earlier comment. We need to make sure that all these decisions are being based upon science and not on political agendas. The science is there that supports the nutritional value of beef, that supports us being a part of the dietary guidelines. And we have achieved that in every iteration of the dietary guidelines since they were established. Uh, we've been able to achieve that here now. And even though it will be a fight moving forward, it is one where the science is on our side. We will continue to update and review that science and uh, make sure that we have the, the latest and best information as a part of, of these discussions. But I'm confident that regardless of administration, we have the information, we have the facts, we have the figures to be able to support beef staying in the center of the plate. Colin, it is thought that the Biden ag policy will be more climate-influenced. So can the beef producer, can the rancher play a role in carbon reduction? And could you find a way that would benefit you from some of the climate incentives that are being suggested now? 
Absolutely. In fact, when you look at the memos that we have already seen from the Biden administration transition team, I think there's some great opportunities for us to step up and be a part of this conversation. Uh, We have been a part of the Global Roundtable of Sustainable Beef, the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. And in fact, we are in the process of setting out our strategic plan for NCBA and sustainability is at the top of that list right now. Uh, We have a great story to tell of the improvements that we have already made over the years. All you have to do is look at the fact that we can produce the exact same amount of beef that we did in 1977 with one-third fewer cattle. That is a significant uh, increase in efficiency, and we're going to continue that because that's the key. We can't just rest on our laurels. We can't just talk about what we have done. This has to be about continual improvement, and we are doing that without the government telling us to do so. That continual improvement is happening today because of the innovative nature of our industry and the commitment to make sure that we're doing everything we can to be a good steward of all the natural resources. Colin, there appears to be at least uh, some producers that are concerned about the checkoff. Does NCBA and its leadership see issues that need to be addressed, and is it time for a referendum? You know, there is a petition out there that is asking for a referendum, and I believe the proponents of that petition expected NCBA to come out and fight it tooth and nail, and that's not what we did. We made it very clear that this program belongs to the producers. If the producers believe that it's time for a referendum, then we are going to support that. In the meantime, we're going to continue to show all the great work that the checkoff does. It's important to remember that the checkoff does not belong to NCBA, and NCBA is not the checkoff. We are one of nine different organizations that contract right now for uh, checkoff funding. So uh, nine different contractors doing the work on behalf of the checkoff. And the checkoff has its own leadership. It has a beef promotion operating committee that is made up of 10 cattle producers representing the Federation of State Beef Councils and 10 cattle producers that are representing the Cattlemen's Beef Board. And not all of them are uh, NCBA members necessarily that then can come in and make the decisions of, of who gets funding. For us, we have to show the quality of the product that we are doing, the quality of the projects that we are doing on behalf of the uh, checkoff. And I think this year has been a great example of that. We go back and let's talk about COVID again. When we saw all of that beef being moved, we didn't have to promote beef at that time because we were selling everything that was out there. But all of a sudden we had refrigerators and freezers across the country that were full and a lot of times uh, full in households that hadn't sit down together for a meal in uh, months, if, if not years. We needed to make sure that they knew how to cook it. So we showed how nimble we can be in executing these programs by shifting from promotion to online cooking classes and uh, promoting our recipe database. We moved into our United We Steak grilling campaign, one of the most successful grilling campaigns we have had. We've had over 1 million visits to the United We Steak uh, website, and we had touch points with over 300 million consumers throughout the summer grilling season. And now we're gearing up for the holidays, and we are on a quest to, uh, to take the holidays back. Uh, we, we love our friends in the turkey business, but they've had a good run. We, uh, we want beef on the tables. And one of the things that we are doing is we are taking the Beef It's What's for Dinner campaign back to broadcast television. 
for the first time since 2003, uh, we are going to be on broadcast TV, and we're going to be part of the Hallmark Channel's Countdown to Christmas. And that, uh, matter of fact, that, that starts uh, here this week, so we're excited about that. And I think when you take all that great work that we're doing, you get it out to the producers, then they have a, a much more informed decision to make as to whether or not they sign that petition or not. So, Colin, you mentioned the new Congress. With regard to a potentially 2023 farm bill, is it time to look for a livestock title? No, we don't think so. Livestock titles have uh, brought nothing but woe and unhappiness to uh, to NCBA over the years. Things such as the GYPSA rule, country of origin labeling, some of these old, tired issues that we know, unfortunately, will come up yet again, and we'll have to be prepared for. So we do not believe that we need to have a livestock title. Uh, does there need to be more discussion about uh, risk management products for for the cattle business? Uh, yes, there, there, there does. And NCBA now has policy that directs us to start having some of those conversations, and that's what we'll do. We'll start seeing what opportunities might be available, not only for programs that exist today, but whether or not we need to utilize the Farm Bill to come up with new programs or to tweak those existing programs. But I think we can do that without having a livestock title. Colin Woodall, we want to thank you for your service to this industry of agriculture, for your commitment to the beef industry, uh, and certainly for taking time to be with us on this edition of Open Mic. You've been here before. Uh, This is Open Mic, and you have the last word today, sir. From the cattle uh, producer's perspective, uh, we see nothing but opportunities. Yes, we've had plenty of challenges, and the challenges aren't going away, but it is still a good time to be in the cattle business right now. And whether it's a new Congress, a new administration, uh, COVID, whatever it is, uh, we are prepared to meet all the challenges, take these opportunities, and try to turn them into uh, cold, hard cash for cattle producers because that's what it's about for us is taking care of those cattle producers out on the land. They're doing everything they can to take care of the welfare of those animals, keep those animals healthy, keep those animals safe, Take care of the soil, take care of the air, take care of the water, be a good steward of all of our natural resources, and as a result, be able to take care of their families and be able to take, in what a case uh, is uh, several generations worth of uh, cattle operations and continue to be able to pass that down to generations uh, to come, all at the same time of putting a high-quality, great-tasting protein on the plate that Americans and our international consumers love to get their hands on. Uh, you know, there's no such thing as a chicken knife, and we need to keep that in mind because when folks want to go out and celebrate, they do so with a nice, juicy steak. Our thanks to NCBA's Colin Woodall, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. America's sugar farmers practicing sustainability to protect the environment and support jobs, communities, and consumers. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.